Thank you, Miss Nancy, and thank you, children, for coming down. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, once upon a time, there was a pastor. He was an old Miss fan. And he thought it would be a good idea to drive to Oxford, Mississippi, to watch his team play the Alabama Crimson Tide with a 6.30 p.m. start. He thought that Alabama would be so dominant that, you know, he could see his friends, spend some time with his buddies, and then get on the road at halftime after Alabama had the game well in the hand and drive four hours back to Murfreesboro. But his team showed up. And so at halftime, it was still very much a game. Third quarter, it was still very much a game. And it wasn't until 10 p.m. that the game was decided and the pastor got in his car for a four-hour trip back to Murfreesboro, arriving home at 2 a.m. And when the pastor's alarm clock went off the next morning, the pastor said, Jim Clardy can preach. <laughs> but then he thought about the crowd and how they would be sheep without their senior shepherd. And so he had compassion on them. That wasn't the way the sermon was designed to start this morning, but it somehow felt right. He was weary, uh, just like uh, Jesus and the disciples. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. It is good to be with you this morning. I, I love going to Oxford and I love seeing a good game, but I also love being able to safely return at home and being able uh, to worship with you uh, each uh, Sunday morning. In our scripture lesson this morning, a similar kind of story. Uh, Jesus uh, acknowledges that there is this crowd that is gathered there. Uh, he calls it a great crowd. There are many in the crowd. But if you keep reading in the story a little later in chapter 6, what you learn is that there were, uh, he gets more specific about the numbers in the crowd. There are actually 5,000 men in the crowd. Unfortunately, back then, uh, women and children didn't count in lots of ways, and so they certainly didn't count in the numbering of people. So if you were to add the children and the women that no doubt were also present in that crowd on that day, we're talking about a whole lot of people that had come together uh, in the crowd. If you had gone back earlier in chapter 6, you will know that Jesus had called his disciples together and he sent those disciples out together in pairs. And he sent them on a missionary journey. And he gave them the authority not only to preach the word of God, but also to heal people in Jesus' name. And he told these disciples, I don't want you to take a lot with you because I want you to realize that what you are able to do comes from me and not from anything that you have or not from anything that you will do. And so he sent these disciples out with next to nothing to heal and to preach God's word. 
In our text today, those disciples have come back. And they've been quite successful at what they were sent out to do because their authority, because their power came from Jesus Himself. And those disciples have come back now and they're sharing with Jesus all of the things that they had done and all of the things that they had taught. Now, Jesus knows that they're exhausted. I mean, there's a really good chance that Jesus himself is exhausted, constantly bombarded with crowds, constantly being interrupted, constantly having long days of healing and teaching and preaching. And so Jesus, realizing that the disciples and he are tired, suggests that maybe they should go away And that they should rest for a while. And yet this crowd just won't give up. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, they get into a boat. They're going to try to go to another place on the Sea of Galilee. If you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, most of it is visible on a clear day. You can see from one side to the other. And so the crowd apparently saw Jesus and his disciples get into the boat and and take off. and, And they knew where Jesus was going. And so the crowd actually follows Jesus around on the shoreline. And they're waiting on Jesus. Jesus whenever he and the disciples boat docks at their destination. And Mark says that when Jesus saw that crowd, even though they were so exhausted from all that they had been doing themselves, when Jesus saw the crowd, he said he had compassion on them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. I don't really know what that means exactly. Mark doesn't really flesh it out for us. But I suggest that that maybe he just saw a crowd that seemed like they'd sort of lost their direction. Like they were clueless. Like they were wandering. Like they were uncertain. Like they didn't know what they needed to do. Maybe they were looking for a better way and a better life. Maybe they needed uh, a a healing. Uh, Maybe they were worried and carrying heavy burdens and were at their wits end. We don't really know what it was about the crowd that caused Jesus to look at them with compassion, to cause Jesus to conclude that they were sheep without a shepherd. But that's exactly what Jesus did when he saw them. Here is a crowd that had been so intent on looking for Jesus, for listening to Jesus, for finding Jesus, uh, that they wanted to hear the words of Jesus and see the deeds of Jesus so much that they didn't even provide, uh, make a meal for their physical feeding after being with Jesus for a long period of time. And this Jesus begins to take on the role of the shepherd for these people. Jesus not only guides them with his words, but Jesus provides for them with food. And that happens just a little later in the story that we're reading this morning. I don't know why it was that they appeared so lost or without direction, but I think that certainly sounds familiar to those of us 
here in 2020. That's why we're doing this sermon series is that um, uh, this feels a lot like a whitewater rafting expedition. Uh, all of a sudden life is just taking on these crazy uh, ways and, and, and we're afraid that we're going to fall out of our boat. We're afraid that we're going to be swept away. We, we need to listen to our guide. And, and so that's why we've been doing this sermon series, Riding Out the Rapids. And this week's been no different. I mean, COVID numbers are, are creeping up again. I'm told that we have more cases at the hospital out here at Murfreesboro than, than we've had at any time since the pandemic began. Uh, we've also had a hurricane to hit shore at uh, essentially the same place that one hit shore just a few weeks earlier. Um, uh, COVID is even affected our, our, our greatest, our, our biggest leaders in government uh, and, and appointed and elected leaders in government. Uh, we've got this, this, this nasty political process that's going on right now and both parties attacking each other, just something awful during this presidential election. We've got people that are still struggling to uh, find work after losing jobs for COVID, even here in our own church. It's just a lot, and, and it's like we're wondering, where do we get our bearings? Who do we look to? What do we do? How do we survive this? And so I have a feeling that Jesus, much like he did with that crowd that day, looks upon our world today and says, you know, I have compassion for you. I want to give you hope. I, I want to be the one that you can follow. I want to be the one that you can listen to. I, I want to be your shepherd. I suggest that that's what Jesus would say to us today. The people that were on the beach, uh, they were desperate for meaning and direction. And they must have been a sight to see for Jesus, exhausted as he was, to stop and to care for them. To guide them by teaching them and to provide for them by feeding them. It reminds me of a story from my childhood. When I was growing up, our church had a, a bus that would go and pick up people in my small town. It was really easy just to go around and, and pick up people on the bus. And then after church, we'd take them back around and we'd put them there. And, and during vacation Bible school, the bus would run and it would go pick people up and take them home. And, um, but uh, one day I rode the bus and I never rode the bus, but my mother had talked to the bus driver that morning and told them that I wanted to ride the bus with a friend and that just to take me home. And, and then something happened and the bus driver had to leave. And, and so another bus driver took over that didn't know where I lived. And so I got on the bus and he dropped everybody else off and he kind of looked up in the rearview mirror and there's one kid standing back, sitting back there and it's me. And he said, son, where do you live? And I said, Pulaski, Tennessee. He said, well, you're going to have to be a little more specific than that. Do you know where in Pulaski, Tennessee you live? And I said, Pulaski, Tennessee. Well, this was before cell phones, so he had to pull the bus over on the side of the road and, and, and get a quarter out and use a payphone. Some of you might need to ask your parents what a payphone is. Called the church. Everybody had already left the church. Nobody answered. So he got back on the bus and he said, all right, we're going to take you back to the church. Maybe your mother will come and pick you up. 
she was happy as could be at home, I guess. She didn't, she wasn't there when we got back to the church. Uh, I don't really remember how I ended up getting home, but, but I was, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. The bus driver was lost. He didn't know where he was going. And the only thing that I remember about that experience is obviously I did get home, but the bus driver told me, um, next time I see you, young man, I want you to know more than Pulaski, Tennessee about where you live. You need to learn your address. And so every time I'd see that man at church after that, he would come up to me for a long time. He'd say, now, where do you live? And I said, Pulaski, Tennessee. No, I, I got it right. 828 West Madison Street, Pulaski, Tennessee. You know, that's, that's kind of the way this feels right now. Is it, this world we live in, I just feel like we're lost. I feel like we're not really sure what to do, who to believe, who to trust, where to go. It's just been very unsettling for so many of us on so many different levels. And wouldn't it be a great time to realize that there is someone out there that that has compassion for us, that really does want to guide us, that, that really does want to provide for us so that when we're lost, we can look to that good shepherd for a good word. And, and even if we are unable to see the good shepherd, even if we are unable to sense what the good shepherd is trying to teach us or provide for us, that good shepherd is nevertheless still there and has compassion for us. This good shepherd, tired as he might be himself, nevertheless wants to be our shepherd. So I wonder how many of us during this crazy year feel like that we've actually grown closer to God. How many of us are actually spending more time in prayer than we did in 2019? How many of us are spending more time reading God's Word in 2019? How many of us are staying connected with other sheep, being nurtured and fed and sustained uh, by their love and by their fellowship in 2020 than we are in 2019? What would be different? about how we see this year and about how we get through this year if we would allow this shepherd to shepherd us today. Would you pray?